Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD and anxiety, and uh, anxiety spectrum disorders, all sorts of stuff that we can be worried about and afraid of. Um, my goal is to help you learn a little bit more about OCD, about anxiety, the anxiety cycle, all of that, and, uh, and ultimately... How to get your life back is the goal. So, uh, uh, welcome to the show. Um, I hope everyone is out there taking care of themselves. If you are new to the show, this is a question and answer based podcast where you can ask questions about uh, anxiety and treatment and uh, 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 treatment tools and things like that. And uh, and I will answer those questions. This episode, however, is not going to be a question podcast. I was lucky enough to have a guest on this. episode episode, and I'll do an introduction uh, to her soon, and then we'll jump into that interview. But uh, I just wanted to say that uh, I hope everybody out there is taking care of themselves, is uh, is doing well. Um, the, I think that it's safe to say that we are in a very, very weird time. Um, I know that uh, if everybody is out there, or if anyone out there, I would say, is worried, nervous, scared, um, it's understandable. It's to a certain degree, I, I would say it's it, it's reasonable. Um, as we all know, as we've been talking about on this show for a very long time, um, anxiety is is just supercharged when we don't have a lot of information. And right now, we're in a situation where we all don't have a lot of information. We have we have good information. We do have some. We do have some guidance. But it seems like they are coming out with new information every day. And when we're stuck in a situation like that, it can feel uh, uh, un untethered. It could feel disconnected. It can feel frightening because our brain then likes to fill in the blanks with the worst case scenario. Um, and I, I think as I mentioned, um, maybe in the last episode is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not alone, or you're not alone in that. And I'm not immune to it myself. Um, every person I'm talking to, even anxiety specialists out there, we we're all very aware of it. In fact, um, this week, I'm, I'm going to be shifting all of my practice to online only uh, to reduce contact uh, between clients and also to reduce contact with myself. As I mentioned uh, before, I have a chronic uh, um a respiratory issue and and you know what it's going to impact it could impact me and um i'm uh, you know i get those intrusive thoughts too and those worries but you know what um i'm doing what i can and i'm acknowledging that i have those thoughts i'm acknowledging the position and the reality of life but you know what i'm also reflecting instead on the fear but instead onto what I can actively do. And what I can actively do is follow the CDC guidelines. I can follow the World Health Organization guidelines of washing my hands, practicing the social distancing that we which is a term that we never used up until about uh, a week ago. And uh, now it's a term that we're never going to forget. I'm also ultimately trying to take care of my mental and emotional health, which means um, I'm trying not to listen to too much of the news. I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm trying to exercise as best I possibly can. Um, some of the best things that we can do as a preventative measure is to take care of ourselves in general. And those are those things that we've been talking about for thousands of years, thousands of years, for a very long time and it's sleep well drink water uh, eat right reduce smoking reduce alcohol use um, and you know what now is the time everybody to engage in comfort activities you've all heard of comfort comfort foods 
They have comfort activities. Some of those things are going to be watching dumb movies. They're going to be listening to music that we, you know, are guilty pleasure things. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be that sort of stuff that we just, we just enjoy. And it's the fun stuff in life because right now we're going to be surrounded by scary stuff. So um, now to that point, in this episode, um, I tried to edit as much as best I possibly could. But you know what? Um, I recorded this episode with uh, Kelly Frankie, my guest, and uh, this was recorded a co- uh, about a week and a half ago. Now, it seems that a week and a half ago, we kind of lived in a different world. And the Kelly and I have a, a, a relationship and a, f- a friendship where we have, and a sense of humor, where we, we, have, we enjoy dark humor. And from time to time during the episode, we made a, uh, a, a couple of coronavirus jokes. Um, I edited out some of the dumber ones, but I think one or two might have slipped in. Um, and it's not because we are trying to be insensitive. It's certainly not because we don't care about people who are, um, who are in this position, because we are also in it. And we have loved ones who we also want to stay healthy and safe. But it's that we sometimes we as people sometimes use humor as a release valve for our anxiety and fear um i know i do i have found humor to be one of the most important things in my life to dealing with some of the hardest things in life some of the harder things that i've ever had to deal with i've approached with humor um it doesn't mean i'm funny it doesn't mean that some of the jokes are good because they're probably not but they 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 make me laugh and they release some of that tension I think that's the magic of humor, and that's the be- that's the, one of the best things that we as people have. I also think that that is a skill and a tool that you out there can apply to your anxiety. If we can learn to laugh at the thoughts that we have and perhaps not take the fears that we have, our anxieties, our insecurities so seriously, then we can actually get through it a little bit easier. We actually get a little bit more of a handle on it. Now, of course, that's a skill. Of course, I don't expect everyone to just all of a sudden be good at that. Um, And I think uh, some people out there, I'm hearing you already, you're saying, but these are serious things. My anxieties are serious and my feelings are serious and, 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 and they are. They are serious and they're real. But you know what? We also can attempt to take a, a, a perspective on it where we can find some humor in it. So it's not to say that this episode is just chock full of, you know, COVID-18 or COVID-19 jokes, because um, it's not. But it's to say that um, if some fall through, and if some people are offended by them, it's never our intention to hurt anybody's feelings, but um, it, it is our way of processing and dealing with this. And I'd encourage you, if I could offer anybody some uh, homework, some guidance, and some encouragement for this time, it's to try to find some humor and try to laugh during this time. And that may be getting on Netflix and watching stand-up and maybe watching uh, funny movies. Uh, it may just be tr- telling dad jokes. Man, I'll tell you, I downloaded a an app a couple weeks ago, um, and it sends me a, a dad joke of the day, and they're great in that they're terrible, but they're great. So stuff like that, if you can find something this week, please, please do it. It will make this time go so much faster, and you'll be so much happier in the process. So... Uh, all right, so that is my mini sermon of the day. All right, so about my guest, compassionate thoughtful and skillful 
If any three words could describe anybody, they describe my guest, Kelly Frankie. A graduate of Pepperdine University, Kelly is an OCD specialist with the OCD Center of Los Angeles and has a unique interest in postpartum and perinatal OCD. With OCDLA, she works with adults, teens, and children across the anxiety spectrum and is the author of OCDLA's very popular subscription series, Reflections on Skin Picking and Hair Pulling. In addition to having a full caseload, she is active on Instagram, giving guidance and valuable information about OCD and anxiety treatment. I'm honored to have her join me for this episode, and I feel lucky to call her both a colleague and a friend. So without further ado, Kelly Frankie. We're recording right now. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. We've been recording for three minutes now. Oh, you sneaky guy. Yeah, yeah. Just like you. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do we want to talk about? So, today we're going to be talking about postpartum and perinatal OCD. Yay, so, my favorite. I know, which is exactly why I have you on. So, I have you on, as I mentioned, because you are a fantastic therapist. You're going to turn red. I know you're going to turn red. <laughs> you're a fantastic therapist. You know your stuff. Hmm. So what I wanted to do today is just have you talk about the, the topic that you're most excited about, most interested in. So, mm-hmm. so we're, we're going to talk about, there it goes. Sorry. I'm going to stop pointing it out, I swear. Yeah, please. Um, I'll tell you, because uh, though you might be anxious, I'm actually really anxious too. I think it's because it's contagious. No, I'm not even concerned about the health thing. If I die, that's fine. It's the, it's, it's talking to someone and all of this, because it's being recorded, uh-huh. counts. I know. It's, it's like, a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Like, this is for score. Yeah, we're on. We're on. Can't redo. No, can't redo. I mean, I suppose I can edit, but I may or may not edit this out. Uh, that takes too much work. It's way too much work. No. So, all right. Okay, stay focused, All right, focused. Kevin. Come I can on. do this. This is the problem. This is the problem. When I record by myself, I can just kind of look into nothing and, um, <laughs> you know, get bored and go on Reddit, or I have to actually focus up and do things. All right. So, Kelly Frankie. We're probably going to get distracted a lot. Just had to say that. So, oh. keep us on, on track, please. You're right. I am, um, you're right. I'm guiding the okay. ship. I can do this. You got it. I'm a professional host. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. All right. So, Kelly Frankie. Yes. Um, Kevin Foss. <laughs> By the way, KF. KF. Yep. Sorry. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. Both. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's very confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me about postpartum OCD. Postpartum OCD is say like an excessive worry that you will harm your child or you will be somehow responsible for harming your child either accidentally or intentionally is that good it sounds great okay i mean sounds, sounds like a I good mean, time not, right it sounds like a, a mm-hmm. horrific time mm-hmm. um so how does postpartum differ from perinatal ocd perinatal would be while the baby is still in the uterus is that is that appropriate In the uterus? uh, Yeah, it sounds great. In utero. In utero, yes. Yes. Okay. And this can happen to dads, too, not just moms. Ooh. And grandparents. Ooh. All right, so we're going to get into that a little bit later. Okay, sorry, sorry. No. excited. Oh, you're getting excited. You're getting ahead of yourself. I know. I like it. Okay, so give us an overview, first off, what OCD is, because this is a subject that not a lot of people are talking about. It's not one of those. True. It's not one of the excessively common subtypes of OCD. It's not one that um, uh, there, I, I don't think there are a lot of a lot of articles talking about it. Um, 
probably for a lot of reasons. One, it just simply might not be as common. But two, I, I, I'm willing to bet there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of misconceptions about what these diagnoses are. And, and also, I bet there's a lot of underreporting. Agreed. I think that's the main issue because, mm. so do you want me to define OCD first? Ooh, let's do that. Okay. So OCD is unwanted, intrusive, distressing, repetitive thoughts, feelings, emotions, thoughts. Did I ever say thoughts? You I did. did. Thoughts. Um, thoughts, feelings, images, sensations, and urges. Thank you. Yeah. And the compulsions that are done to neutralize those things. Those can be mental compulsions, physical compulsions, reassurance. Um, am I missing something? No, all of that sounds great. Okay. Yeah. So that applies now to perinatal postpartum. Right, right. So yeah, so, so I'm kind of as we're talking about that, as you know, previous listeners are Previous listeners have heard it's it's this big giant cycle. It's this you know we're going to have these weird, stupid thoughts that occur as that what if or if then sort of concern. That is those unwanted thoughts, feelings, images, sensations, and urges that usually lead into that anxiety because we don't really want to feel anxious or we don't really want to have that thought or we don't want the possibility of that thought to happen. So we try to do something, which is those compulsions you were talking about, to try to get rid of that dumb feeling, that dumb thought, or that threatening feeling or that threatening mm-hmm. thought. Um, and then negative reinforcement occurs. Right. Which perpetuates the cycle, unfortunately. Right. Because once we do that compulsion, we go, oh, okay, I'm safe. Everything's going to be okay. I'm safe. I'm not a monster because of the thing that I did and the reassurance that I got. So, whew. But then inevitably that thought shows up again. Correct. Ugh. OCD is OCD is stupid. See, now you're an official OCD therapist. <sighs> Finally. Thank you. You're welcome. I've been doing this for a long time. I know, you trained me. Actually. And I've been looking for I've been looking for some validation. Okay, there it is. Damn it. It's the last one you're gonna get too, buddy. <sighs> That's fine. I didn't I've been doing this for a very long time, and this is the first time someone's ever actually given me the official. thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a stamp or anything, but Damn it. it's it's verbal. We should get a stamp. We should. We should get a stamp. Okay, stay focused. Focused. Kevin. All right. So, Art, so we talked about the differences between between the two. Can you could talk about some of the common obsessions that someone might have between postpartum OCD or perinatal OCD? Actually, here's a better question. Is it important to differentiate between these two? Because... The OCD community, we love to have these different subtypes, different titles. Um, in this case, is it that important, or are we just kind of unnecessarily splitting hairs? I think we're splitting hairs a bit, actually. Okay. I think this is about uncertainty. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if that's the answer you wanted to hear. That sounds good. Uh, let's have you explain the question further. I guess I let me... Explain further. Sorry. Okay, so I'll I'll ask you a little bit better. Yeah, because you're you're asking it quite long. I, this is what so I, <laughs> this is my problem. I lost you at the second part. That's totally fine. So with um, when it comes to postpartum OCD, mm-hmm. you kind of talked about how that is going to be focusing on the time after the child is born. Ah, Peri- right. Perinatal is going to be before the child is born. <clears throat> But is there going to be a tremendous difference between making sure that we have the appropriate title to perinatal or postnatal? And is it worth fighting about or worth discussing the differences in treatment between the two? Hmm. 
So is tr- does treatment look different between the two? That's a much better way to have asked that. Okay. Oh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think treatment is going to look any different. Um, I think perhaps the better question, sorry, um, maybe does, how does treatment differ from other forms of OCD? Okay. What do you think? Is that a good one? That sounds great. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, why don't you answer that question? So, I think, let's actually go back to where you said, like, the prevalence. Okay. Because I think that'll tie nicely in here. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of underreporting going on, and this is why. There is this sense that moms know how to be moms, just Mm -hmm. naturally, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it'll just come to you. You'll figure it out. Mm, If you're an anxious mom, good luck with that. It's a really scary process, and there's way more pressure. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're like, um, wait a second, how do you hold the baby? Am I looking at the baby right? Um, so I think there's a lot of that. And I think there's also, when you go in for your first like wellness check with your baby, I remember getting a um, survey. And one of the questions that they ask, and I don't know if they did this with you and um, your baby, but I'm sure they did. I think it's like, I think it's actually like a national, um, what's the word? test yeah assessment it's like a standardized screening. test it's a screening or standardized testing for um postpartum depression oh okay and they have you fill it out mm-hmm. i remember the first time i saw that and mm. i almost ran out mm. um i think it was like the second or third question and they say do you have thoughts about harming your child mm. dun 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 very yeah. scary so a mom with ocd or a dad with ocd they see that and mm-hmm. they're going to shut down. Right. And they start worrying, oh my gosh, if I say yes on this, they're going to call CPS, which right. by the way, that happens, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a, a question like that is incredibly frustrating because mm-hmm. it's, it's to a certain degree, it's asking you to lie. Yeah. Because the vast majority of people <clears throat> w- will have some of those thoughts. I think I, I, I read a stat somewhere that said, let me get this wrong. It's on my website somewhere. But something like 74% of, of people, not just the OCD community, of people will have violent thoughts towards their child. Yeah, that probably sounds about right. If you've ever been in a room with a child screaming, yeah, good luck, because mm-hmm. that's brutal. Yes. Just the heart rate goes up, and you're like, I will do anything to shut this child up. <laughs> and it wears it wears you down. You don't think you're going to have it, but it wears you down ever oh. so slowly or ever so quickly. And you haven't slept. Mm-hmm. You and partner are probably going at it. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's just, yeah. it's a brutal time. Right. But there's a lot of education now on postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how, you know, the standardized tests go. Mm-hmm. And so many women do suffer with postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. I think we were looking at the stats and it was like 75, up to 75% of women. Mm. But the OCD stuff isn't in there. Right. I definitely want to ask <clears throat> later what sort of questions you think should be added to that. If there were questions mm. to be asked to help discern between those two. But when you, when, when you read that question... Um, What'd that feel like? Um, did you say yes? I didn't. I said no. Mm-hmm. And I think the part of the reason I did say no mm-hmm. 
perhaps a lot of the reason why a lot of um, moms say no or dads is because of the, that fear that the pediatrician's now going to call CPS. They're going to assess for harm to the child. You're scared you're going to lose the child. I've, I've definitely had a client that happened to. It was a very sad case. And um, all because of misinformation. Mm. But you have to remember when I had a baby, I already I specialized in OCD. It still scared me. Mm-hmm. It's tricky, mm. OCD. It's a tricky one. It convinces you the thoughts are real. Right. Oh man. <clears throat> yeah. Being a being an anxiety therapist and having your own anxiety is um, frustrating. It's annoying. It's annoying. Let's it is. That. It's definitely that. You're like, shouldn't it be above this? We're not. No. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So no, we all go to therapy. It's fine. Oh uh, yeah. So going back to going back to the the the, the specific ways that. POCD, PPOCD, or not POCD. That's a whole different conversation. No, but we'll get into that, I'm sure. Oh, oh we'll get there. Um, but how postpartum and perinatal OCD, <clears throat> what are some of the common obsessions that people would have? So, you know, when, we, when we're talking about identifying that we have these thoughts or that these are perhaps OCD thoughts, what are some of the things or some of the common ways that these show up uh, just as the, as the worried thought? Yes, great question. I approve of that one. Thank you. FDA approved. <laughs> KF approved. KF approved. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, guys. We're getting a little distracted here. Um, <laughs> Kevin's funny in real life. Mm-hmm. Not on his show. I'm awful. Except right now. Except right now. Okay. Sorry. Um, really common. <laughs> he's cueing me. Really common obsessions. Everyone's anxious, like Kevin was saying. Like everyone gets these intrusive thoughts of like, oh my gosh, please just stop crying. I'll do anything. Um, but the difference is just like how in anything with OCD is it tips the scales, right? Like they become paralyzing. And uh, let's just give you a few that I've heard or that I've experienced um, living through perinatal postpartum. That'd be great. Um, is what if baby died? Mm. Very common thought for parents, new parents especially. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's no doubt. OCD starts to tip the scale. Mm. when you're sitting there and that's all you can think of. I remember asking my husband, poor David, um, asking him, will you go check the baby? Because I was convinced if I went and checked, I would find this dead baby. Like I was convinced. Yeah. And then I would keep asking and then we mm. would look at the, I would look at the camera obsessively, mm-hmm. right? And I'd record it. Mm-hmm. I paid extra money to get it recorded, mm-hmm. to have it in the cloud and then rewind and, and make sure, I, like, oh, is she moving? to rewatch it yeah mm-hmm. or wanting just to have the baby in the same room mm-hmm. so that's a common one um another one is oh, obviously contamination mm-hmm. that can happen perinatal or post mm-hmm. right like what if i hurt the baby um it could be you know a lot of a lot of them can be with toxicities like mm, asbestos mm-hmm Lead. Um, lead. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a big one up there. Um, Medication is a big concern for folks. It is. Especially if you already have, <clears throat> if you already have symptoms of OCD and then it, then it lovingly migrates into perinatal OCD, it will, there's a huge concern about the medication that someone's taking that they would previous, they, they were previously taking for their OCD. And now all of a sudden the worry is, well, what if that medication is going to harm the baby? Absolutely. And 
unfortunately, a lot of moms that I've seen, I can't speak to mm-hmm. everybody else, but a lot of moms I've seen, they either go off their medication or they just opt out of it because mm. they've read all the side effects and just everyone makes demonizes medication. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, I didn't take medication pregnant um, because of that. So I'm not impervious to mm-hmm. these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I would have done things differently, it would have been that. Mm-hmm. I think it could have it could have been a game changer. Absolutely. So. What are, what are some of the other obsessions that people have that that are, are are common for both or that other things you've heard? Yeah. So a lot of them might be pedophilia OCD themed, mm-hmm. right? Like, what if I'm um, wiping the baby when changing diapers and I yeah. touch them inappropriately? Mm-hmm. Um, what if I drown my baby? Mm-hmm. So a lot of moms and dads will avoid bathing. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of harm, obviously, mm-hmm. just in general, like lots of violent images, images of babies getting, you know, throwing their baby across the room, mm-hmm. um, heads exploding was always mine. I know that sounds really weird, but welcome to OCD people. That sounds like an OCD thing. Yeah. I was just convinced my belly would pop open if I tripped and just, then, then heads popped. So, right. And I was like, oh, that seems totally rational. Mm, this Co- is OCD. Completely reasonable. Exactly. Yeah, oh, but it's man. absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've, and I've, I've certainly heard folks, you know, have that thought, you know, well, what if I, you know, kind of that, that thought action fusion, having that thought about a violent, uh, thought about hurting the child and the worry, well, what if I end up doing it? What if I'm going to do it if I keep thinking about these thoughts? Yeah. And even, Actually, one that I see, I've seen a lot recently um, mm-hmm. is if I get mad at my baby or if I get upset, then that's an indication or a warning sign that now I've put the baby at danger. Now it's just going to be, you know, the feeling that you just said, thought, action, fusion. Yeah. I have a thought or a feeling that's egocentric that mm-hmm. it aligns, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to kill the baby. Can, and so can't get mad. So don't don't yeah, be mad. Try not. Yeah, please don't get mad mm-hmm. or have a bad thought uh-huh. around a baby who's screaming at you really loud, by the way, mm-hmm. pulling at your body all day. Mm-hmm. Who's completely, completely irrational. The child is just irrational. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I don't think a Buddhist monk could handle a newborn without getting angry. Probably not. No. No, there's no amount of meditation that's going to fix that. No. No. There's no way around it. No. I mean, so I've to kind of go even further with some of those obsessions, there's, you know, concern that you're going to put the, you know, pajamas on too tight or you're mm-hmm. going to put them in the crib wrong or they're going to suffocate on the on the sides of the crib or there's going to be you know, if you're wearing them too tightly, you're hugging them too much, not enough. Are they eating enough? Not enough. And basically, I mean, my understanding is anything that is related to harming that child and you being at fault or you being tangential or something related to the harm to the child. Right. Or like by proxy. Right. Mm. So um, a common one that I've seen is where it, the grandparents get involved or the mm. nanny. There's lots of rules for them. Like they can't wear flip-flops or they mm-hmm. have to wear certain clothing because the clothing isn't washed in these this very organic laundry detergent um 
there's just a lot of rules around it for everyone else. And then they feel like they would be the one responsible if it, if someone else harmed them. Right. I mean, we're, we're just naturally getting into the compulsions related to this. So, I mean, you're, you're, oh, you're sorry, yeah. you, that's fine. I think this is a great transition. Okay. So transitioning into just the fact that, uh, you know, the compulsion is going to be anything that we can do to try to alleviate our anxiety or to try to solve the problem to ensure that that bad thing is never going to happen. So as you're saying, um, uh, Nana, grandma, caretaker, they have to wear certain things. Partner. Cannot wear, partner cannot do certain things. What are some of the other compulsions that you've noticed with, uh, with these uh, diagnoses? Well, unfortunately, avoidance is a big one. Yeah. And I think that along with the accommodation that the partner plays in terms of like reassurance, um, or doing the, the compulsions for the OCD sufferer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so to be more specific, a lot of avoidance of washing the baby, a lot of avoidance of holding the baby, mm-hmm. um, breastfeeding the baby, wearing the baby. Um, hmm. It's just really endless. The mind's so creative. Yeah. And sometimes the compulsions don't have to explicitly match the fear itself. Oh, no, it's just things not. that we can do. That's, you know, some of the magical thinking that gets involved with it. But the, I mean, well, that's the, just the avoidance stuff, right? Yeah. There's lots of checking that goes on, lots right. of washing, you know, like mm. sterilizing areas, having the sterile field, as I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can really overlap if you already have a contamination concern. There's definitely going to be way excessive or much more excessive washing of bottles of clothing of things around the room just to make sure there's no potential uh, bacteria buildup right and just remember that a lot of this stuff just to remind everyone a lot of this stuff is common in just regular anxiety not you know yeah a healthy amount of anxiety for parents mm-hmm. but it's when it becomes really excessive and paralyzing Right. I think the paralyzing part, that's where it kind of jumps the shark into OCD land. Mm Because it's, yes, it it is helpful to notice or to point out the average person are going to have these worries. There are worries about, I mean, I I remember when, you know, our our kiddo was born. um, There were certainly worries about, you know, are things clean enough? I know the missus was much more concerned about cleanliness than I am, but I am a you're a filthy creature. I'm a, a horrific man. Um, but, I mean, I even noticed in terms of, um, I mean, I, I know I'm kind of shifting into kind of the men's experience of it. But No, please do. I think that's important. But, you know, I I wouldn't say I have this explicitly, or I don't, I don't have this, but it's, I remember like the third day after having the kid, it was probably like two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Child was not sleeping. We did everything we could. You know, you, you, you hold the baby, you bounce on the ball, you take your shirt off, skin to skin. All Yes, you do. And it was just holding the baby. And I just had this thought, I should just shake her. Yeah. I remember you came in yeah. and told me, you're like, Kelly, guess what? Yes. I just had the thought and I was like, okay, all right. See? And it was it so weird. It was it was like, oh, it's so easy to have this thought. And it's not one that I sought out. It just, my brain went, all right, you've done all the things that you could do for problem solving. Mm-hmm. You've done the ball. You've you've tried walking around. You've done the music. You've tried playing the movie. Um, you should just shake her. Yeah, just, you know. And so you can see easily how OCD would just grab right onto that. Right. Because I had the thought, I had the consideration of it, I had the capacity to do it. You probably felt frustrated. Oh, I was frustrated. Jess was probably frustrated. Very. Oh, I'm not supposed to. Yeah, it's out. Okay, sorry. Yep. <laughs> Cat's out of the bag. Cat's out of the bag. But um, yeah, it 
it, it, it was a very odd thing, but it's certainly helpful. I mean, this is, I think, where the awareness comes in and, and, mm-hmm. and having people be aware, men, women, grandparents be aware that you're going to get these thoughts. But again, as we've talked about on this show a gazillion times, thoughts are just thoughts. They don't really mean anything specifically unless we do something about them. Right. Unless we act on them. Right. Right. So, so it's kind of... Were t- we talking about compulsions? I think we were. Okay. Do you want me to go through some more? Absolutely. Okay, just give you some other ones. Um, So we went through the avoidance, we went through the checking and cleaning, things like that. But I think another important one is the reassurance that comes with the partner and the accommodation. So what you see is a lot of burnout Mm. in the the partner on the receiving end, um, because they're the ones who then pick up the slack. And so for me, when I'm treating this, that's usually the first part I go into Mm. is let's get your partner to not burn out Mm -hmm. as we're walking through this process. So let's start removing the compulsions related to them. Mm -hmm. I think that's all I would add to that. So kind of getting them on board with with knowing how the reassurances are happening, how the uh, accommodations are happening and have them start backing off on those. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, by the time they've come into my office, you know, the other part, the partner's pretty burned out and resentful, mm-hmm. or they're they're on their way. Mm-hmm. And not because they don't love them and support them, but because they've been doing this for a long time, and they're exhausted. Mm. OCD does that. And they're just burnt. They're just burnt yeah. out. I mean, they have a newborn, too. Right. So. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so... I know we talked about this before, but is there anything that contributes to these diagnoses? How does someone how does someone get it? I know that's a bad way to ask it, but that's a question that a lot of folks will have is, where does this even come from? Right. Genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's similar to any other OCD. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they come in to see me anyways, they'll say things like, oh, but I've never had symptoms of OCD. I've never had this. Like, this is out of nowhere. But as time goes on and progresses in treatment, guess what happens? They start reflecting and they're like, wait a second. Now that I'm seeing OCD and what it is and I understand how it works, you know, maybe when I was in high school or when I went to college, I was obsessed with contamination or harming my roommate or, you know, things like that. So... Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers it entirely. Um, genetics, obviously, there's hormones involved. Mm. There's just really not a lot of research out there, unfortunately. Mm. Like you said, there's not a lot of um, blogs or papers written. Um, and I think part of that is the research. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's tough to tough to tough to work on this or tough to research it if people aren't uh, aren't then talking about it or have a safe place to talk about that stuff. But which is why I'm here because we want to break the stigma. This is exactly why we're here, y- yammering on on this day. Yeah, this day of days. Yes, mm-hmm. fantastic day. Yeah, but but <clears throat> but I think that point about you know the combination of genetics hormones, um, and, and also just the environmental factors of it is that uh, kind of the, the way that we respond to thoughts and the way that we treat thoughts are going to be a huge component to it. Ultimately, you know, if we treat these, if we are behaviorally treating these thoughts as important, they are going to be 
treated as important. And that's kind of a circular way of saying it. Right. Of course, that's the negative reinforcement. Right, right. So, yeah, it just kind of hits this perfect storm. And ultimately, where these thoughts come from, it's, you know, it's... OCD is OCD is a jerk, and it's going to grab onto the thing that matters to you most. And likely speaking, if you have a child, I mean, that likely speaking, that child is going to be important to you. Right. Chances are pretty high. Chances are high. Um, and by the way, these thoughts can also contribute to the worry that I must not care for my child because a mother who a mother mm-hmm. or a father who really cared about their child wouldn't have these thoughts, it right? Well, they would, but it, maybe it wouldn't bother them, or they would. Mm. maybe meet criteria for something entirely different, which would not be OCD. Mm, Right. So, so let's talk about treatment. We've talked about what what uh, postpartum and perinatal OCD is. We've kind of talked about the obsessions and the compulsions. So, what do we do with it now? Let's say let's say someone out there has this, is experiencing some of these thoughts, knows someone who has it. How do we work with this? Really no different than we would with any other subtype of OCD. Mm -hmm. I think it is really important to stress its uncertainty because I think when we get caught up Mm -hmm. too much into content, Mm -hmm. it's like it becomes this identity and it's so much more important, right? Mm -hmm. It's good to have the subtypes because we identify with it and we can speak in a very general language and understand it. Um, But at the end of the day, what ends up happening is you start treating a symptom, and guess what? OCD jumps content. Mm -hmm. And then people go, oh my gosh, I'm freaked out, right? Like, because now it's on to something else. It's like, okay, well, we just haven't accepted uncertainty in this area. Right, right. Yeah. And it, oh man, when it jumps from content to content, it just, the the, the more that happens, people build up this idea that I'm just more broken or I'm more messed up than someone else because I've had all of these subtypes. Right. Right. When ultimately, as you're saying, it's it, it, it's it's all OCD, right? Right. Um, I, I often say it's that you know we're yes we're talking about POCD or HOCD or existential stuff, but really it's that that anxiety cycle mm-hmm. and accepting the uncertainty as its core focus. Correct. Right. Um, what was the question again? Was it how is it different in treatment? Just what treatment is. Now, so let's. I mean, on the topic of uncertainty, if that's the main focus, every. Mm-hmm tool technique intervention that you and I are going to do to in therapy is going to be aimed at helping someone to accept uncertainty just could you just talk about what it means to accept uncertainty within uh, PPOCD sure so it's a great question actually I think with the postpartum perinatal stuff uh, I remember um, my first session with my therapist and Mm -hmm. I was you know therapist at the time as well Mm -hmm. um but he said are you willing to kill your daughter Mm. Uh, what (laughs) that's an uncomfortable question yeah yeah and you know i think he out of the gates did that because he knows that i know that this is ocd Mm -hmm. but lots of times moms are very fused with that thought Mm -hmm. so i was in a very fortunate situation but he was very poignant in that question is like because my exposures are going to be what i perceive to risking her life Mm. or psychologically damaging her. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that helps with the uncertainty. I guess um, that's in general what we're accepting if it's around harm, right? Right. Well, I I mean, imagine someone listening to this is going to, to that question, are you willing to kill your daughter? They're going to go, no. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't don't want to. That's why I'm here. 
Right. Um, let me, sorry, that, let me preface it in this manner. I like how you smiled when I said, are you willing to kill your daughter? Like, oh gosh, you're going to scare all my, my listeners. Um, <laughs> like just frightened. There's a, there's a lot of exposure that goes on just in the discussion. I know, I know, but bear with us. We're going to get somewhere, <laughs> I promise. Um, but it'd be, it'd be, oh, so I'll put it this way. Could you, could you clarify that? Sure. So clarification would be, listen, this work is going to be really scary. Mm-hmm. And you are going to feel like you are putting your child at risk. Mm. Are you willing to do that? Mm. Because that's what it's going to take. You have to be committed and you got to do the work. Mm. Yeah. So, oh, man. So that clarification was great. So ultimately, it's can you, Thank you are you willing to do something to the perception that you're going to kill them? Correct, correct. It's going to feel like it, right? Um, right. Because we're going to have you bathe your child when before you said you weren't going to bathe them. Mm-hmm. And the worry thought will be, well, now I'm a little closer, right? Right. It's just right there. Now I'm not in the other room. Yeah. So it's that taking that one step closer towards this this situation that makes you feel as if, if I do this, I'm going to kill them. Or if I do this, or if I don't do that, they're going to die. Or they, it's, it's highly likely that they're going to befall some sort of harm, mm-hmm. and it will be my fault. And it, just like in OCD classic fashion, mm-hmm. actually the compulsions are getting you to the place where you are harming, right? Because you're avoiding child. And that child needs you more than anything. Mm, right. So, I mean, in terms of treatment, that's there. there is that balance there. Because if we're talking about, I mean, so in, in, to a certain degree, and we'll get into some more details about the cognitive piece and, and some sure. of the mindfulness pieces as well. But where where is that line? How do you find that line between what is, what's an appropriate exposure for someone and or appropriate exercise for someone to work on exposure or not and what's actually going to be harmful because if we're a a, i mean a great exposure would be just leave you're putting that child in harm's risk or to dunk that child Mm. underwater and hold them for like just two seconds yeah that's too far though right that's where like an imaginal exposure would come Mm. in where you'd write a story like that we want to do functional exposures okay so it's like well if ocd wasn't around how Mm -hmm. would you want to live your life yeah well i'd want to bathe my child okay Mm -hmm. let's do that and maybe it starts with the partners in the room while they're bathing it's very graduated typically with Mm -hmm. postpartum I just see more thought action fusion. Yeah. Um, could be like, well, I want to change my child. I want to take them out by them by myself with them. I don't want to feel like I need somebody watching me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Yeah. I think that that concept is central to all of treatment. It's if, if we could snap our fingers and make OCD go away, what would your life look like? What would you be doing? And it's that sort of stuff that you're talking about. I want to bathe them. I want to go out. I want to go to the park. And it's to ultimately do those things without doing compulsive behaviors. Right. It's exactly. The, it's the response prevention piece that's, that's in my mind, pivotal to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Because I think in, in OCD land, we talk about um, doing exposures and doing crazy exposures. And they sound really, quote, fun or they sound they sound wild and out there and dangerous. Yeah, and sometimes they aren't that exciting, everybody. They're not. Yeah. It's, if you just remove compulsions, 
you're probably in good shape at that point. I mean, yes. we definitely need active exposures. There's no doubt. But. Yeah, but if I mean, as I tell everybody, if 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 they only if you only did one thing between exposures and response prevention, it's do the response prevention. Yeah, because life is going to give you a ton of exposures, and if you have a child, you don't have a choice. You've got them. You got no control. I think that's what actually. Just to add to that, I think it's that's what makes this also a little trickier with mm-hmm. treatment is that. It's something outside of your body when it's postpartum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you all have been with a two-year-old or a one-year-old. Mm-hmm. It's just your heart's walking out of your body. Mm. And you have no control over what they're going to put in their mouth, mm-hmm. what they're going to touch. I'll tell you, the answer to that is everything. 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 So, and that gives a lot of motivation, too, um, for parents. And just also because in vivo exposures are happening at any given moment. Right. Right. So... No, I'm blanking on where oh, to go. Oh, can, can, I, can I add an exception to treatment? Or, yes. Or is that something that... No, do it. Go for it. So, and now I forgot it. Uh, oh, I hate when that happens. Okay. It's going to come back. Remember, I get to edit this. Oh, 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 I know. So, it's... The, there is an exception. I think, like, some modifications that need to be considered in this. And I think a big part of it is a lot of these parents are learning to reattach with their child. Mm-hmm. And how to parent Mm. you know for the very first time so it's saying like it's okay to kind of yell and set boundaries Mm. that's okay you can yell parents yell sometimes obviously it's not ideal but it's it's okay Mm -hmm. we're gonna be human and perfect i've seen that a lot recently that's why i bring it up because it's again that slippery slope like if i have that thought or if i yell oh i'm abusing them Mm -hmm. and i won't i don't trust myself to control myself yeah. Okay, well, let's see what happens. I mean, we're trying to get these people to trust themselves again, especially as parents. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, kind of to that um, uh, kind of learning theory, you know, that's um, mm-hmm. developing in popularity. Inhibitory learning. That's it. The worst that's possible the name in <laughs> all therapy, because I did a whole episode on this. <laughs> I'm... And it still doesn't make it, the title is useless. Anyways, what we're ultimately learning, long story short, everybody, if you haven't listened to the inhibitory learning episode, we're, we're in, in a weird sense, we're relearning what's safe. We're relearning that bathing your child is, is safe. And I put safe in quotes. It's kind of like when we say driving is safe, flying in an airplane is safe. They are safe in that you can also die and be maimed. There is that. Yeah, easy. It's just risky a little. You're risking a little more. Right. But within these things, we're relearning that bathing your child is, quote, safe. Absolutely. Raising your voice and having these thoughts, it's still still okay. It's Mm -hmm. still safe. Can bad things happen? Well, of course they can. But we're not saying, you know, driving a car is the most dangerous thing and everyone's going to die and it's the worst. Right. we, We all implicitly recognize these risks. So, in the course of doing treatment, we are relearning that these things are safe. They, yeah. they are. You can have these thoughts. You relatively can, safe. Relatively safe, yes. But, you know, you can be alone with your child with a pillow next to you. And not smother them. Right. And you can still have the thought. In fact, a recent exposure I did with a client is I had them do an audio recording of, um, it was actually for POCD, so the pedophilia theme mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm going to touch my child inappropriately so they're listening to it with their headphones Mm -hmm. while child's playing on their lap yeah and that's terrifying yeah but that thought would have been there anyways right so now we're just going after it right 
And then the thought just kind of gets boring. And you're like, mm, I'd rather just be playing with my child now. Right, right. It's such a hard, um, on the front end of treatment, it's so hard to convince someone to do this thing that at, at that point they feel is dangerous. Again, the mm-hmm. anxious brain has said, this is dangerous. Don't do this. You're going to kill them. You're going you're to harm them. Yeah. So don't. So Yeah, don't I know. And so, I'm saying let's take the risk. Right. And over time, we learn that those things are safe, more or less. More or less. More right. Or less. We can't give you too much reassurance here. But um, right. also just that we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Tell me about the mistakes aspect of things. Because I, I, I remember you talking a, a while ago about... About ex- just kind of accepting that even within treatment, well, well, there are a lot of hardliners when it comes to treatment mm-hmm. with with all, you know OCD in general. We talk about you know washing your hands. It is twenty seconds. It's ten seconds on the dot, no more. Mm-hmm. It's you know we we try to be really hardline with it, but when it comes to parenting, you know mm-hmm. we have to be a little bit flexible because we have this irrational monster running around our house. It's so true. How how do you help someone develop this kind of flexible nature with raising their child, being compassionate, and also working to do these exposures and, and to resist their compulsions? Also a fantastic question, Kevin. You're really nailing it. Thanks. Am I talking too close to the mic? You're doing though? great. Okay, fantastic. I needed a little reassurance. Um, I think... So I think what you're talking about is like the resiliency and the self-compassion that mm-hmm. goes with it. Um, a lot of modeling good behavior mm-hmm. in session with clients and lots of validation. Like, hey, it's cool. We all do that. It's okay. And I know that OCD community, a lot of people are balking at that statement. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're like, yeah. Um, but with parents, I've never had it backfire on me. Mm-hmm they get better you know it's like they need to know that this stuff is okay that they making mistakes and hurting your child every once in a while they're gonna fall they're learning how to walk yeah it's gonna happen someone's getting hurt at the very beginning of treatment reassurance is a four-letter word in ocd land but at the very beginning of treatment reassurance is incredibly helpful there's something to be said about buy-in buy-in but also learning that you know here's how this here's how this works i've i recently Mm -hmm. had a that example is not going to be very relevant, actually. Mm. Um, it's going to be a client example. But it's it's kind of this, we, we, we will discuss the general safety of things. We will discuss how things typically work right. for the cognitive, reassur- or the cognitive restructuring piece. Um, so, in the sake of time, let's jump into just more of the details about uh, e- exposures. Because in terms of the treatment arc, um, a- any any good OCD OCD anxiety therapist is going to do cognitive behavioral therapy, exposure and response prevention, and some mindfulness pieces. Now, um, listeners to this podcast have, have previously heard me hammer on about what it means to challenge the legitimacy and the veracity of your thoughts and trying to bring in some of that rational components to it. Obviously, for a lot of people, this can ultimately be reassuring. So it's a little bit of a dangerous, uh, dangerous, it's a... It's a fine line. There you go, fine line. Yeah. It's not going to be the make or break, though. It's not the make or break. It's more of you develop the firm grounding that you can do this, that we can do this. And then we'll get into mindfulness, which ultimately is working on practicing, accepting the reality of life without judgment in this very moment as it is. Yeah. And then we'll get into the exposure part, which is the stuff that everybody talks about, which nobody wants to do. But 
Could you tell me a little bit more about um, some exposure or how we would develop exposures, how someone who's going through this process, because the exposure piece is going to be the hardest for anybody getting into or thinking about doing treatment. What what is exposure? What are exposures and how does someone develop them? Well, ideally, you'd want to do it with an OCD specialist, but I understand, you know, like there's not a lot of um, a lot of people who have access to that, whether it's financial or geographically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really great self-help books out there, but just in generally in speaking, it would be more of let's write down all the compulsions we're engaging in and rank them from least to most scary. And you, you honestly, I think now the research is showing you can really pick anywhere in that hierarchy. But ideally, you don't want to, for me, I don't want to go to like, the 10 right out of the gates because I don't want my client running out of the room and never coming back. I want to have buy-in and I want them to get small wins. So they, they're they like, oh, this stuff actually works. So usually four or five is the is the magic number. On a scale of one to 10. On a scale of one to 10, 10 yeah. being the scariest. Yeah. Yeah. I think there there is a lot more research. I think you're, you're saying that um, having a, I think this is probably something they're going to talk about the IOCDF conference and probably something that we should have submitted on. Um, <laughs> probably. The, is the importance of developing a hierarchy and following through a hierarchy in terms of a really progressive approach to treatment. I think there's a lot of talk more about doing um, kind of graduated, meaning starting with starting with uh, you know, doing an eight into a four and doing a two and then doing a nine and then kind of bouncing around. But right. you're right. Starting small is, you know, for someone who's just getting into this, if they're doing this on their own, you know, we, we, we walk before we can run. Yeah, like I, I always tell my clients, um, you know, I'm I, we're going to do scary things, you know, uh, but I'm also really humane about it. Yeah. Yeah, because if you said, it, I mean, if we were to start our, you know, the assessment session with, all right, here's a knife, there's your child, like, let's bring him in. Right. Like that, That's that, not going to go well. That will be our last session with them. Right, right. I mean, my, my example that I love is, you know, if, if someone came to me to uh, learn how to run a marathon, they're not going to talk to me about that, but, you know, we're... <laughs> We're not going to start day one with a marathon. We're going to start day one with stretching. Stretching, yep. And then day two, we're we're probably going to do a walk around the block. And then the next time, we're probably going to do a little jog around the block. And we're going to progressively work our way up. Now, once we are to a place of, of functioning or of, of running ability, we're going to vary. We're going to do a six mile and a two mile and a nine mile and an easy yep. five. For some reason, they say like easy Easy five, tens yeah, right. Or something like that. I've never done an easy block. Right? God. I've I've marathon cli- I've marathon runner clients. Yeah, but they're like, oh, I did 13 miles before our session today, and there's like 9 a.m. sessions. And now I feel terrible about myself. Right. Um, I'm, I'm very about, proud of them, but I just yeah, yeah that's really cool. You're never going to see me run a marathon. I don't like running. Don't judge me. Running's bad. Um, for those of you listeners out there, I have, you know, little stickers on your car that say like uh, 32.9 or whatever the heck a marathon is, or 13.12, I don't know, the half marathon. I have one that says 0.0, I don't run. This is a true story. It's, it's a true story. I have it. It's the only bumper sticker I have. I think it really encapsulates who I am. I think it does. So it's, um, I'm proud of you out there. If you're a marathon runner, Good for you. Getting those cortisol hormones out. Get it. 
I'm going to sit. Accomplishing things. Yeah. I went to graduate school to sit down for a living, so I am. Um, anyways, we were talking about treatment. And do really weird things. Oh, gosh, do really weird things. Yeah, it's a great job. I'm really qualified only to do this. I feel like we're both kind of qualified for it. Right. So... Sorry, distraction again. That, that was my fault. Okay. Um, all right, so back to exposures. So, what are some ways that uh, what are some ways that people can start getting into doing exposure? Let's say someone's listening to this; they're having these fears, but they don't have access to a therapist. To a uh, maybe they, they don't have access to a good book right now. How can they start challenging these fears? Um, yeah. So. So I'm going to give you a little anecdotal. You probably were running out of time, but really quickly. Um, when I first started getting these thoughts and was I was just petrified to even walk out of my front door because I thought I'd fall over the railing. And um, it, it was just, just not to get into detail, but I knew something was up. Something was fishy. So I called my director, Tom Corboy. Give him a little plug there. And... Uh, he said, Kelly, this is what you need to do. I was like, yes. Because I also didn't have the finances to pay for an OCD therapist. Right. Um, and I couldn't leave the house because I was housebound from panic. But also I was, um, the doctor had put me on bed rest. So anyways, he said, you need to get a paper out. <laughs> He's a funny guy. And write that scary. <laughs> this is assuming yeah. that newspapers still existed. No, not a newspaper, a paper. A paper. Like a piece of paper. He's like, get a piece of paper out. Oh, I heard... I heard... Did I say newspaper? You said, you need to get a paper route. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me <laughs> pronounce my words better. That's my fault. He said, Kelly, this is what you need to do. Get a piece of paper out. So, so much better. Get a pen or a pencil <laughs> and write that thought over and over and over till your hand hurts. Literally what he said. And throw that thing away. Because I told him in this email, I have this uh, this heart rate detector that I can put on my stomach to measure her heartbeats. Mm -hmm. And he said, throw that thing away. Like, mm -hmm. get it as far away from you as possible. And I did that. And I think that helped me get a little more space from the thoughts. So mm -hmm. that's a good graduated I, I like that. And actually really points out that one of those, one of the things that people will do as compulsion that that they will sneakily say is a way for me to connect with my child or a way to, you know, just monitor the health of the child. But really, it's serving as a reassurance tool or it can serve as a reassurance tool. Right. And and to have a little compassion here, not that you're not sure but that, <laughs> that they really think that's important and that they think everyone else is bananas for not thinking it's important. So they co we come up with really great ways to adapt to getting it without having someone just roll their eyes and be dismissive. Oh, and the, that that point is incredibly important. The dismissiveness. Yes. The, well, the in, in getting some buy-in, because there's going to be, with something like your child, mm -hmm. there's so much of getting that buy-in and what a client is willing to do in this. What, are, what feels genuinely important to you and what would you want to have in your life outside of treatment values is a it's your north star yeah hands down like how do you why are you doing this when you're doing your heart exposures or any exposure starting out is to remember why like why you want to be more scared of mm -hmm. doing the compulsion in the ocd mm -hmm. 
than the exposure itself. It's like mm. when you're about to go in and bathe your child and you're freaked out, you say to yourself, I'm doing this so that I can be closer to my baby. Mm. Yeah. It's always good to have the why. Exactly. Is there anything else that you'd want to add about doing compul- or graduated doing, exposure? Doing exposures. Um, I would just say you, there's no right or wrong way, honestly. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah. It's just you're going to fail. Not fail. Sorry. I take, let's edit that out. You're not going to fail. Um, you are going to feel like you're not doing it right mm-hmm. um, or that you're harming the child. And the reality is, is that or that you're hurting yourself, right? Like, oh, my gosh, the OCD is uh, winning here. Right? Like, I didn't do the right exposure. And the reality is, is you're going to go at your own pace. You're going to do the wrong, ex- the quote unquote, wrong exposure. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it was too scary and you did run out of the room. Yeah. Freaking out. That doesn't, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Let's just go back and do it a little easier, a little more graduated. Yeah. Uh, it's an exper- experiment. That's all it is. Exactly. I tell everyone there's no such thing as a failed exposure. It's just more information. Yeah. There's no exact formula. Yeah. I mean, we started too high. Yeah. We, we back it down a little bit. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Really normal. It's easy. Right. No worries. So, yeah, and I think that we, as we mentioned earlier, is that if we could do anything, it's between exposure and response prevention, it's do the response prevention. It's looking at your having it, taking a hard look at what you're doing and thinking about the motivation behind that activity. Are you doing this because you're genuinely wanting to connect with your child or are you doing this because you're wanting reassurance? Right. Am I doing this for, for fear? For certainty. Yeah. Right. So, and then progressively backing off on that. I mean, if you could just if you could just stop doing it, you would have done it already. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about uh, response prevention, you can talk about delaying a compulsion, mm-hmm. limiting the time you spend on the compulsion. Um, what else am I missing? All this sound great. Banning it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just stopping it entirely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or uh, yeah, I, I love the delaying. I'll do this, but I'm going to do it in ten minutes. Oftentimes, right. in ten minutes, the the zeitgeist has zeitgeist has passed. The feeling has passed. So. And in that ten minutes, get fully involved and fully present in the moment with either a funny video or mm-hmm. running a marathon. Running a marathon in ten minutes. <laughs> While you have Olympics. an infant, yeah, I don't think that's possible. Superman, they Super could do woman. it. So some of my listeners could do it. Some of I you out there, that. I believe it. My OCD clients are the best people in the world for sure, aren't they? They are though. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're I, the least likely person to harm someone. Oh yeah, I think I've, I think I've said this to my group. <laughs> I would rather them hold a loaded gun than some of my friends. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> so. Um, so could you so you talked about some exceptions mm-hmm. to this could you talk about some right. exceptions to treatment yeah i think that the postpartum ocd is unique in the fact that you have to consider the attachment that goes on with with parent child and that a lot of that stuff was missing right like that ocd kind of robbed them of that and so reconnecting gosh i have this memory that's just fantastic i went to a client's house and I sat on the floor with her and her baby outside and I remember she was, her face was just terrified and the baby was playing with me for a little bit and then baby went to mom. Mm. It was like the most magical moment ever. Like you have a a few of those and that's definitely one of mine. And mom's face like kind of, you know, went from grimacing to kind of 
tightened muscles and just relaxed mm. and baby and mom got to reconnect so that's really important it's not just I mean, sure, you could consider that exposure, of course, mm -hmm. but I think it's double, right? Yeah. Like that's attachment to that was missing. Yeah, and there's an emotional piece to it, mm -hmm. um, and learning how to parent again and validating like this stuff's okay. This stuff, this is what parenting looks like. It's messy, yeah. and we're not going to be our best. Mm -hmm. You just have to be kind of good. World's okayest. Yeah, world's okayest. Yeah, it's a great slogan, by the way. It's a great slogan. Um, the other exception would be the partner. Partner gets wrapped up deeply into this. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of interruption in, and being a new parent with intimacy and, you know, um, dating, mm -hmm. <laughs> dating your partner again. Yeah. And that happens in regular life. Now, if you add the layer of OCD, well, right. So reconnecting them. So, I mean, a lot of those things are, are really important to, to consider. I mean, Having having that 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 example that you gave about you know the the child going to mom, mm -hmm. the tensing, the nervousness of and you know it's the what's going to happen, mm -hmm. but also then giving permission, giving self permission to just accept that moment mm -hmm. and reconnect. It is why you're doing this treatment. It is the reason that you care. Yeah, it's like the the calls you get or the joyful tears you get from a client when they go i bathe my baby for the first time right yeah and it's pretty cool it i i hate the dismissive statement that they'll add to that i know this sounds like such a small thing oh it I sounds know. such a dumb thing it's not it's the biggest thing it's the uh, we do celebrations in my office yes we cheer right and and, and it always is like but mm -hmm. no 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 hold on no no no, no, we're going to get really pumped right now. Yeah. This is one of your goals. This is the big thing. Right. We celebrate our successes. We are really good at celebrating our failures. Yes, absolutely. The mind is, it does things like that. Right. So, so I think that's, I mean, if, if I was to add anything to, you know, to the treatment aspect of things is that when you have these small, see these small victories, these small, these perceived small victories, this is the first time I, you know, I put them down without checking them 50 times. I only checked them 40 times. Great. Yeah. Amazing, actually. Yeah. I'm just blown away by it when it happens. Yeah. So, and it's scary stuff. Is there... It's very emotional, I think. It can, you know? Absolutely. Is, is there anything else that you'd want to add hmm. um, kind of with, with all the stuff that we talked about and all of our yammering and meandering? Um, <laughs> what, what else would you add? What would you want? What's the number one thing that's going to fix everybody here? All right, not that one. Okay, no. What is, um, yeah, how do, Kevin you, Foss. how do you beat OCD? How do you make sure it goes away forever? Okay, that's... Yeah, that's... None, we, we, okay, none of these questions. We don't do that here. Sorry, we don't do that here. <laughs> what is, if you could... How do I stop intrusive thoughts? Right. right. How do I? <laughs> nope. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. They're going to be there. Mm -hmm. Let them be there. So what would be what would be the advice that you would give to someone? What would be the encouragement you would give to someone who's experiencing these, these thoughts and these fears? That you're not alone. Mm. And that it's okay to come forward. It's okay to take the risk that that you say your scariest thought out loud and that somebody isn't necessarily going to judge that. You know, if you're saying it in a room full of people with OCD or an OCD therapist or specialist, there's a bug flying in I, my face. I have those. Kill it. Um, that 
you will be amazed by the compassion that will actually be met there. Mm. And I think shame is potentially another thing to consider with um, an exception to treatment. There's a lot of guilt and shame involved in this, as mm-hmm. there is for a lot of OCD, actually. But, um, And that's how we get rid of shame, right? That's the formula. We talk about it. We talk about it, and we're met with compassion. Right. And we give ourselves compassion for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, some of that is is having that mind shift that we can have these thoughts. And it's also in, in that we have to then downplay the importance of these thoughts. Not to right. say that all thoughts are important, that deserve our attention. Instead, they're, they're, they're just thoughts. They are just thoughts. They are just thoughts. And um, that's also a good takeaway. Yeah. It's like, just because you have thoughts about your child like this doesn't mean that you're going to hurt them. Yeah. It's called OCD. Yeah. Are there any books or resources or references that you could uh, Mm. direct people to in relation to this? That's a great question. Again, KF approved. Well, if we find any, I will attach them to the, uh, to the show page. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, is there like maternal, maternal maternal.org? I think it's a UK based one. Okay. And then there's, um, hold on. It's right here. Postpartum. Dot net, I think, okay. is the U.S. Okay. I have to just verify that. Let's edit that out because I don't know. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I have lots of resources I can give you. Okay. I'll, uh, we'll get those and I'll, I'll attach those just to the very end of this. I'll do some editing magic and uh, you listeners will hear this in just a moment. But uh, I will also attach those to the, uh, the show page um, for this episode. Yes. So, uh, so Kelly Frankie, can you, uh, can you plug your, uh, your Instagram? And by the way, I, I I probably have said this in my intro, but you should go see her Instagram page. She has a gaggle of information. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good information all along this topic, all along OCD and anxiety and anxiety treatment. There's a ton of stuff in relation to postpartum perinatal OCD as well. So what is your Instagram handle again? My Instagram handle is Kelly Frankie, mm-hmm. K-E-L-L-E-Y. F-R-A-N-K-E. It's the E-Y that gets me every time. I know. Yeah. I don't know why my parents said that, Um, but it's Kelly Frankie. I, you know, I guess I offer the same as anyone else with the information, but maybe mine just is heavier on that. And I also am connected with a lot of people in the community that... We're also going to downplay how good that information is. I heard (laughs) heard what you did. It's great information. (laughs) Um, But I do have a lot of connections with people who I think... Instagram does offer a great community for people for peer support. Like when you start reading other people, it's the anonymity of it, right? Like you don't have to fully disclose yourself. It's Mm -hmm. a good graduation of like, let's see if other people out there have this and you will be shocked. And they are just so compassionate. There's a warm and accepting community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I know IOCDF this year is going to be doing a lot of, um, I think they're doing heavy on perinatal postpartum stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to the IOCDF, not you, Kelly, I know you're going, but if you, the listener, are going, Kelly Franke will be there. So you should go find her. That's what they tell me. We'll be there together presenting, actually. That's correct. So you should go, you should high five her. That's what you should do. I like high fives. Things are getting real at this uh, at this point. Anyways, I think in, in sake of time, we'll wrap it up. I'll release you back to the wild. Yes, so. thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Kelly. Okay. 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for making it through this very, very long episode. Um, I just wanted to add a couple of things that Kelly um, wanted to uh, uh, remind me to remind you. Um, she also forgot to mention that that one of the most difficult things that uh, uh, folks who are going through postpartum and post uh, and perinatal OCD um, is that is that after they go through treatment or even in the middle of treatment, there can be this sense of of, of regret over the sense of lost time that they spent ruminating and obsessing and worrying. Um, and it can actually be a, a heavy sort of topic to then have to process through. This is also an occurrence that happens with a lot of folks who are going through OCD and anxiety treatment, where they find, where they find that when they start to feel better, they can get a better grip on their thoughts and dealing with their fears they start thinking back on all the time that they spent worrying and obsessing, doing compulsions, avoiding, and it can lead into this sense of depression and sadness. Now, that's also something to to address with a therapist. And if you're kind of going through this phase, it, it can almost be expected that as you're going through this, there can be a sense of, of sadness, but it can be helpful then to reflect back Onto the onto the hard work that you put into it, onto the successes and treatment that you've had, and most importantly, on the present, on the reason why you went through all of that treatment, and it's to engage your life as you wanted it to, or as you wanted to. And that can include attempting to re-engage with your relationship with your child and trying to build that re-engage in your relationship with your spouse and your family and your work and your friends and trying to get back to that life that you want to be living is one way that you can help to combat that. But she wanted to mention that as, uh, as one of the complications and, and some of the uh, things to look out for in treatment. Now, the other, uh, the, the two... Uh, resources that she wanted to mention. Uh, one, and I'll, and I'll add these to the, uh, I'll add links to this at the uh, fearcastpodcast.com page. Um, and they are maternalocd.org. Um, and that's the uh, the UK organization. And she also mentioned postpartum.net. So these are two fantastic resources that you can access if you have questions about uh, postpartum or perinatal OCD or depression. Um, check out those links again. Go to the fearcast podcast.com and there will be a link uh, on the this episode page so all right everybody please remember that the fear cast is not a substitute for psychotherapy if you have questions about treatment and uh, or need a little bit of extra assistance and guidance in your uh, recovery go to fearcastpodcast.com and you can click on the, the find help link and there'll be some uh, things up there for you if you have questions for a future episode go over to fearcastpodcast.com shoot me a link or shoot me a question there at the ask us uh, a question link or the submit a question link you can also find me over at instagram i am fearcast podcast uh certainly find and follow kelly frankie at kelly frankie all right everybody until next time take a risk challenge yourself and don't take your brain too seriously bye